1: It's Rick Tittle.
2: Alrighty then, thank you for that. And welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Coming to you from the downtown San Francisco studios of the Sports Byline USA Broadcast Network. Nice to have you with us. Wherever you are listening in this great land of ours, or so-so foreign lands, we're here for you. 1-800-878-PLAY. Why, you ain't got no love, by you ugly girl, you ugly... Happy Valentine's Day to you. The only day of the year where you just can't get flowers or candy on a whim. You have to do it. You must. Or else you don't love me. <laughs> I knew you didn't love me. Rick, what's going on? Nothing. Uh, but happy Valentine's Day to you. Hope you get some candy. <clears throat> of course, the Valentine's Day massacre. I did a report on that in college When the Huguenots or the Huguenots, basically the Protestants of Paris, were all killed and their bodies thrown into the Seine, which ran red with blood. Uh, This is why we have hearts on Valentine's Day, because of all the hearts that were removed uh, at that time. I would say it's kind of cool the way, also, if you're Protestant, um, saying that you're a protestant, it makes it sound bad. It makes you sound like you're protesting. But that's what it was. It's like, you guys are the protestants? No, no, Protest, Protestant. Oh, yeah, the Igor, not Igor. All right, Pro- Protestant. All right, will <laughs> <laughs> I get to my show? Yes, I will. Evan Drellich, who I've interviewed many times over the years, he has a, a new book. Uh, we'll talk to Evan. Of course, it's Tuesday, so salesporttalk.com. Director Alyssa Namias will come in to talk about her new film about Jesse Crimes. And we'll get to some pro-wagering. But a lot of open space for uh, open lines. 1-800-878-PLAY. one 800 Come on back.
3: Guys, are you getting up multiple times a night to use the bathroom? As we get older, so do our prostates. And that can mean urinary problems that affect our sleep and quality of life. Life is better outside the bathroom. Real Health's Prostate Complete can help you relieve those annoying and painful prostate symptoms. Available at Walmart or visit realhealth.com for more information and to order yours today. Try it risk-free with our 120-day money-back guarantee. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease.
4: If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation, Here's the number.
0: 800-725-1651. 800-725-1651. That's
5: 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line
2: I don't know about genius, but I mean, it's your words, not mine. All right. Uh, we have open lines until 940, then we'll check in with uh, Karen Lyle. Your calls, your thoughts, your whispers, your rumors, 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Uh, we do have <clears throat> um, the worst-kept secret in the NFL the last few days, Shane Steichen is now um Officially, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, he's the Eagles' offensive coordinator, and they had to wait till after the Super Bowl to announce the deal. And uh, the Colts spent the weekend slowly informing candidates they were going in a different direction. And interim head coach Jeff Saturday was the leaning candidate who had not one, not two, but three. You, don't, you never have three interviews. That's when it's a waste of time. I understand with a movie you might have three callbacks as you whittle everyone down. But it gets to a point of being absolutely ridiculous when you get to three. I was like, Ots. "And I always hear these things about how they had an interview for eight and a half hours. <clears throat> what did they talk about for eight and a half hours?" So, what are you all about? Winning? Where are you from? Uh, Michigan State. Where'd you grow up? I actually grew up in uh, Kalamazoo. Okay. Um, did you like your last job? Yeah. How much time is that, Phil? That's 20 seconds, boss. All right. Well, we're going to fill up eight and a half hours. I think my favorite was when John Lynch called Jed York and said, I hear you're looking for a GM. I don't have any experience, but you should hire me. And he's like, tell me more. And then apparently he spent the night with Jed York. I don't think they were spooning on a futon, but they were in the same place. This was the report. Because John Lynch wanted to see if Jed York would leak the information. That sounds really weird. I don't know if I believe that one, but General Manager Chris Ballard in the Hub City under Jim Ursay, who, by the way, Jim Ursay is a nut, okay? He's a nut. We actually had the guy on who was running his show. He went out and toured the country having a concert, and he'd bring in like real rockers like John Fogarty and he had this amazing display of uh, electric guitars he's bought over the years and all this other memorabilia. And to get you to come, it was free. <laughs> now, I remember a punk band called Free Beer, <clears throat> just so it would be on the marquee. And actually, Free Beer wasn't that bad of a band, uh, honestly. But uh, Jim Ursay is a bit nuts. We know about how he started Gate. We know how about the drug arrest and everything else. But remember, the Colts were famously or infamously left at the altar five years ago by a guy named Josh McDaniels. He said yes, and then the Patriots said, stay here and take over for when Belichick leaves. Well, Belichick didn't leave, kind of like Garoppolo, stay here when Tom Brady retires. He's 40, he's going to retire. No, he's the MVP. Oh Well, then you have to go. So remember, they ended up with Frank Reich, who's a much better coach than Josh McDaniels. So with Steichen's departure from Philadelphia, the belief is the QB coach, Brian Johnson, not the guy, the former Skyline quarterback and Stanford quarterback and Giants catcher. But he will a new OC. He had been in high demand around the league, and then he wanted to see what was going to happen with Shane Steichen first because the Eagles want to keep their <clears throat> continuity uh, as much as uh, possible, uh, obviously. Um, I always like it, too, when papers, uh, websites, what have you, they come out with their final power rankings. (laughs) Well, I think I know who the top two are, okay? I think I know that. It's going to be the Chiefs and the Eagles. But after that, rounding out the top ten, Bengals, Bills, Niners, Cowboys, Jags, Chargers, Giants, Ravens. That's right. The Jaguars were the seventh best team in the NFL. They won nine games. The Chargers won 10. The Ravens won 10. The Vikings won 13. Nope. That's where they are. And I want to see just how paltry it would be for the Raiders. And uh, the Raiders are the 25th team out of 32. At 6 and 11. And I think the Falcons, who won seven games, would be like, what about us? <clears throat> well, you don't have Devontae Adams. Your quarterback is Desmond Ritter. But at least you know who your quarterback is, the Raiders. They don't know who their quarterback is. The Colts were 28th. Now, here, speaking of the Colts again and Steinsteigen. if you look back on their last six seasons, last year opening day quarterback, week one, as we say in football, was a guy by the name of former Tittle guest in person at Super Bowl 50, Mr. Matt Ryan. And before that, the season before, it was Mr. Carson Wentz. In 2020, it was Phillip Rivers. The year before that, it was Jacoby Brissett. The year before that, it was Andrew Luck. And because of an injury, the year before that, it was Scott Tolzien. So (laughs) they have had the last six years a different guy week one every year. Now, they will have their choice – of some pretty. And by the way, I have to get to the worst team in the league. It's the Bears. Yes. Then the Texans, then the Donkeys, then the Rams. Yes. All right. But going to the, the drafts and the, the mock drafts, there's no doubt that the Bears are going to trade out of one unless they get low balled. If they get low balled, they're just going to draft Will Anderson. That's that's just the way it's going to be. They're going to draft Will Anderson and just say fine. Or Jalen Carter. There's also a guy named Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech who's an edge rusher, and he was a senior, but he's really flying up the charts. Some people think now he's moved into the top ten. We'll see from the combine, which, interestingly enough, will be an indie. But uh, Chicago's going to trade out of that spot and get an embarrassment of riches. If people lowball them, as I said, Will Anderson will go. Now, (laughs) there was one executive saying that Bryce Young is the next Mahomes at 5'11", 190. It's very interesting. But to me, when you think about how great Mac Jones looked at Alabama, how good that McCarron looked at Alabama, I mean, do you really think that Bryce Young on his own is going to win you football games? To me, Bryce Young is Justin Fields. I think he'll be an NFL quarterback. I just don't think he's going to be anything to write home about. But my point is the Colts now at four will be able to get um, either Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis. Those are the top three QBs. Unless they're in love with Anthony Richardson, who a lot of people think will go to Carolina at nine if those other three guys are gone. I just – look, when you look at Will Levis, 6'3", 230 – and you say, okay, this, is, this guy really projects. He stunk at Kentucky. Now, I shouldn't say stunk, but there was nothing impressive if you look at his stats. A lot of picks, was better as a junior than he was a senior. That's always an alarm bell in my house. Uh, where's your house, Rig? Your mama's house? Uh, Anthony Richardson, even more physically impressive, but he's got almost no experience. I just uh, to me that's just hope is that your plan hope well he sure looks like he could be a quarterback I the only guy I like I've said it many times is CJ Stroud because he's proven that he's the guy now here's where the Colts have to just grin and bear it because Arizona is not going to draft a quarterback there at 3 neither is Chicago. The only thing that scares, well, there are two things that scare the Colts. One is that one or two or three teams will trade up ahead of them and take their guy. I mean, there could be some kind of contingency where, you know, the Texans love Will Levis and Bryce Young goes number one to a team that traded up to Chicago. And so now there's CJ Stroud sitting there at three, and you know the Carolina, that the Cardinals won't pick him, and that's when they have to panic. So it's all part of the intrigue. There's nothing, nothing more intriguing off the field than the NFL draft. Got a lot of time to talk about that. And open lines coming up next. I'm Rick Tuttle. <laughs>
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: All right, thank you for that. Uh, Dominic just sent me some NFL uh, Valentine's Day cards, which were pretty funny. And they just got, of course, a little to and from. <clears throat> there was one years ago that had uh, dictators and they had funny little Valentine's messages and every one time I sent one to somebody and they were like just for fun female friend and she's like do you think this is funny and I was like yes she's like well it's not I'm like okay note to self no more funny messages over there okay. uh, 1-800-878-PLAY uh, a few of them some of my favorites are too dirty to mention on the air but I think one of my favorite ones is (laughs) you can barely see Aaron Rodgers face and it said can somebody please turn the lights on in here (laughs) if you didn't hear uh, Aaron Rodgers I believe today has entered his uh, voluntary solitary confinement which is uh, pretty horrifying if you think about it, and <clears throat> that's why. Uh, and and by the way, if you're wondering what that is, he said, "Well, it's going to stimulate CMT, which means he'll be able to hallucinate." And I, uh, what what that is, it's not stimulating CMT. What it what it is is you're going insane when you spend, I believe, it was four days. Now, here's the other thing, and I I understand that you want to, you know, find true happiness or inner peace, whatever it is, but also, your time on this planet is limited, and I remember um, Kevin Mitchell saying, that's right, the former MVP, he says, every day I wake up, I thank God for a new day. When somebody said, oh, what do you think about the game today? He goes, every time I wake up, I thank God for a new day. In other words... Who cares about this? I'm just glad I'm alive. That's what he's saying. I'm just glad I'm alive. And it's an interesting perspective. And I think sometimes it is an important perspective. So my point is, for Aaron Rodgers going into the dark for four days, you're throwing away four days of your life. Now, if you come out and all the days after that are more enriching beyond belief, this is what he's gambling on. So I hope it works out for him. I really do. But he's not helping the stereotype of a guy who's a freak that went to college in Berkeley. It just doesn't help. <laughs> the thing was, when he was at Cal, he was pretty straight-laced. <clears throat> I actually went to his last-ever college game um, at Jack Murphy Stadium. Holiday Bowl, whoa! I was in the press box for that, and then at the end, I walked down on the field, and it was a guy named Mike Leach who just passed away, and his air-raid offense at Texas Tech, and they had a quarterback named Sonny Cumby, And Sonny Cumby beat Aaron Rodgers, and Cal was so po they weren't going to the Rose Bowl. That Mac Brown campaigned to get the Longhorns there, and they did. Oh, they did. They got the Longhorns there now. <clears throat> 1-800-878-PLAY. Now, um, if you still have any bits and pieces you want to pick up from the Super Bowl, that's fine. Um, I did go over it for better part of three hours yesterday. There's always articles about, um, you know, how many eyeballs were on it, and um, you know who had the best uh, commercials. Um, I, I'm kind of proud of myself that I literally don't remember one commercial because it's the era of the cell phone. Now, <clears throat> I'm not proud of this, but. When things go to commercials, I look down at my phone. So I can't say I really saw any of them. And if you ask me who was in a commercial, I did look up to see what looked like um, Ben Affleck working at a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. So I'm not saying I literally didn't look at any of them, but that's the only one I remember, and I would suppose that ad was for Dunkin' Donuts, right? Okay. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These days, at the end of it, it could have been DuPont making napalm since 1958. It could have been that. I, t- I kind of stole that from Jay Leno. There used to be a commercial going, you know, I just graduated from Harvard and now I'm working at DuPont. And he's like, yeah, um, remember that commercial about being philanthropic? We want you working on the new death gel. <laughs> I love that because they make napalm, <clears throat> but he called it death gel, which I thought was uh, pretty awesome. It's a joke. It's fun. 1-800-878-PLAY. There was uh, one thing. If you think about getting a, a big payday in the NFL, it certainly happened yesterday. A former special teams captain got $43.5 million. Who? Chris Moragos, do you remember him with the Niners? No. The Eagles did not win yesterday, but one of their former Super Bowl champs did. And this was just one week of testimony against some former doctors. Retired uh, safety and special teamer Chris Moragos was awarded $43.5 million in Philadelphia Common Pleas Court. Please, please, please say your please. <clears throat> With uh, three other teammates, including Nick Foles, taking the stand on his behalf, Margos successfully argued his career was cut short by medical negligence. He obviously would never have earned that much. But he was the special teams captain for four years. He had a PCL tear in week six um, in uh, 2017 against the Panthers during that Super Bowl season, and he never played another down in the NFL. He alleged in his civil suit that the doctors overseeing the surgery and rehab neglected to address a meniscus tear that was also there and then let him do running exercises that ruined his knee. Uh, Maragos then retired uh, after spending a whole year on the pup list, and um, he said this is all because of medical blunders. And he targeted Dr. James P. Bradley, who is in the Orthopedic Hall of Fame and who is a uh, orthopedic partner of the Eagles. He also is the Steelers orthopedic surgeon. He did the operation on Carson Wentz. He did the operation on Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, Foles also had teammates, Trey Burton and Jordan Hicks, fellow teammates, come in. Other Remember, he did get a ring, even though he didn't play in that game. And so... You know there was a rash of injuries that year: Wentz, Hicks, and uh, Maragos. But forty-three and a half million dollars—it's a lot of money. Now I can tell you, I have experience in this area because I also was awarded. But no, uh, I also tore my PCL Uh, when I was, I think, forty-one, playing soccer in Golden Gate Park. We were the—I was the goalie. I realized, I didn't want to play goalie, but I realized that was the only way I was going to play every minute. And so we ended up winning the city championship, co-ed. Don't worry, this is beer belly soccer. <clears throat> actually, nobody had a beer belly. But still, <clears throat> maybe me. Uh, tore my PCL, and the uh, I was actually looked at by the cow surgeon, a guy named Hatch. And Dr. Hatch said, uh, we'll just leave it torn. And I went, What? He goes, you're, you got strong legs, you got a lot of muscle in there, you don't need it. I go, I don't need my posterior cruciate ligament. He goes, well, let me tell you this. If we want to go ahead and put in a new one, you're going to be on crutches for about a year. And I'm telling you, you don't need it. So uh, that was about 16 years ago. So far, he's right. <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, I'll feel that knee kind of buckle just a little bit when I'm walking. And uh, I don't know, maybe it'll get me later if I'm still around, but uh, he was right. So, uh, and by the way, a meniscus tear is about as common as getting on a bus. So um, obviously something went wrong here with malpractice, uh, but still uh, a guy who was a special teamer, I don't know, I mean, it must have been a pain and suffering thing because he was never going to earn that much money in his career uh, at his age. Uh, in and the position that he played you would think if they messed up Tom Brady's elbow two years ago he could get forty three and a half million dollars but as I said then these weren't even the doctors that did these these doctors have these practices and they just have the name like you know Dr. James Andrews or whatever and then underneath that it's like they have a whole battery of people it's like Scott Boris is he really your agent well he's really your agent when you're a star But with over, you know, 100 clients, he's got people underneath him. And then when the time comes to actually sign, you might get 15 to 20 minutes of Scott Boris. You're not going to get him every day. You're going to have him call one of the underlings. So anyway, one eagle got paid. And so what you can try and do now is hope that doctors mess up. No, he actually said I felt bad for me. He said all the other kids are playing flag football with their dads and I can't do it. That's actually kind of sad. All right, when we come back, we'll get out on the waves with Karen Lyle, com.
12: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk. This month, we are remembering Martin Luther King's vision. And I have with me Dr. Claiborne Carson, the director of Stanford University's World House Project. Dr. Carson, what legacy did Martin Luther King leave us to carry forward?
13: Well, I think Martin Luther King left us with a question, where do we go from here? And uh, that implies that people are prepared to provide answers to that question. And so I, I think we're trying to do that. We'll do our best to try to allow people to learn what is necessary uh, to answer the question. Um, Because I think if we don't answer it, King warns us that our options are chaos or community. And I I would definitely want to move toward um, community rather than chaos. And, And I think that we have now some tools that we've learned from previous liberation movements about how to build, the more positive option.
12: Your group has done a lot of research about the civil rights movement.
13: What have you learned? Well, I think learning from the past. Uh, I'm a historian, and I think that we can learn lessons from the past. And uh, and uh, so much of what we describe as human history is really told by those who were the dominant groups. And we're only in the last few hundred years developing tools such as the novel uh, such as the uh, the narrative of of slaves, uh, you know, all of these are various ways in which people who are gaining uh, the skill to tell their own story, or who have been given that skill by people who want to tell their story for them, that uh, that we begin to see that there is another history, and that history is fascinating and it's inspiring. And it's it's something that we are continuing in the 21st century with the tools that we have available to uh, to make sure that history is told by by everyone who's involved in making history. So uh, so I think that his you know these are essential to answering his question where do we go from here because it also re- redefines who we are uh, that we are part of humanity and that that's who we have to move forward with
12: thank you so much for developing tools that we can use to work together in peace as humanity go to world house project on the stanford.edu website or just search on stanford world house project this is karen lyle of salesport talk
2: All right, thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We have half of our guests in the next segment, and when we get everybody, we will uh, go on the air with it. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to uh, call. Interestingly enough, the Ravens have completed their search for a new OC as well after parting ways with Greg Roman. And uh, they have turned to the college ranks to do so. They have turned to the offensive coordinator at Georgia, Todd Monkin. Monkin was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the last three seasons at Georgia. He's coming off turning a former walk in into a two time back to back national champ. And uh, last year they had the number five offense, they averaged 501 yards. Uh, per game, which is pretty amazing. And as I mentioned, Stenson Bennett was named a Heisman finalist. There were 21 interviews with 14 candidates. Goodness gracious, 14 guys were interviewed. John Harbaugh says that Todd Monken is the guy. All right, we have found our guests for SalesportTalk.com, which we do every Tuesday at this time at uh, the 940 segment. Karen Lyle always co-hosts this segment with me. How are we doing, Karen?
12: I'm doing just great, thank you.
2: Let's go to our guest. It's Christina Rubke, uh, who does uh, all her sailing with her chin and is a past Commodore of the Bay Area Association of Disabled Sailors and took second place in the 2018 Para World Sailing Championships in Japan. Christina, welcome to the show. It's, it's hard enough to sail as it is able-bodied. It's so impressive. When did you get started to, to know that you could do something like this?
12: I started
14: sailing with BAD, the Bay Association of Disabled Sailors, uh, back in, I think,
12: 2007, so a while ago now. Um, yeah. So, C- Christina, it was, it's um, great to talk to you again. We, we had a chance to sit next to each other um, at the adaptive sailing training that U.S. Sailing was doing with Betsy Allison. And um, I am just so impressed at your sailing abilities, because not only do you sail in a small boat, which I think you did with the, the parasailing, but also in a 30-foot sloop that, that you have adapted so that you can uh, sail with your chin. How do, you, how do you manage on the small boat that you did with the parasailing? Um, you have just two people on the boat. Can you describe how that sailing experience happens?
14: Yeah, so with the, with the regatta I just did in 2022, actually, so just a couple months ago in Japan, and a few of the other um, regattas I've done, I sailed by myself in a one person boat called a Hansa Liberty. Um, these boats are manufactured um, or designed in Australia by a company there, and um, they're specifically made for everyone to sail, including people with disabilities like mine that are pretty significant. Um, So for me, I have no use of my arms and legs, Um, and so I use a joystick that is connected to both the rudder and the sails of the boat. And so I can use the joystick to go up and down for um, pulling the sails in and out. And I have switches to connect both the jib and the mainsail, so I can adjust them separately or together. Um, And then left and right on the joystick is rudder control. and for any other kind of technical, you know, kind of more technical adjustments like outhaul adjustments, I need somebody in between races to assist me with that from another boat because I can't do that myself.
2: Like any sailor, you can find yourself in a precarious or sometimes even a unfortunately perilous situation. What were some of the more dicey moments that you've had uh, skippering a boat?
15: Well, I'm trying to think. <laughs>
14: And, you know, thankfully not many. I tend to be a pretty conservative sailor. Um, my sailing buddies always tease me, like the minute there's any sort of wind, I'm like, you should reef. Um, but um, I think some, one, I, I do remember one time we were doing some racing out here, just out of South Beach here in San Francisco, and another boat, another Liberty, um, that person lost their weather control and so slammed into the bow of my boat and it was pretty windy and we were both heeled over pretty well. so. I think the way we hit the angle, his boat kind of, the bow of his boat went over the bow of my boat and, like, really pushed my boat down. So I basically, my mass went almost down against the water. So I thought I was going <laughs> to, for a split second, I definitely thought I was going to die <laughs> or at least go into the water. Uh, that did not happen. And then, um, yeah, so that was probably, I don't know, that was a near miss. Um and then more recently, on on the first of this year, I was not skipping, but I was uh, a guest on a, a friend's boat, and we ran aground. Um, Jeez. And because of the title, the title uh, predictions, we weren't sure that we were going to free up until the next morning. At that point, um, mm-hmm. because was, you know the next high high wasn't coming for another twenty four hours, um, and we were in a very shallow area, so my friend rigged a harness and lowered me. You know. I don't know, ten feet off this boat into a rowboat and rowed me across to <laughs> the shore. So that was exciting, but um, yeah, so things can happen. But generally, I stayed safe.
12: Well, I, I know I was, uh, I was talking to a, a captain in the in the BVI, and he made a comment about um, captains. He says, you know, any captain who says that they have not been grounded is either lying or not a captain. <laughs> <laughs> so you, 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 you've had the necessary experience, but you've been sailing for quite a while, and you also teach other people um, how to sail and how to assist you in their crew. Um, explain a little bit about how um, how that works for you.
14: Yeah, so when I'm on a keel boat, sometimes I skipper, and a lot of times I'm helping crew out to you know because we take a lot of people who don't have experience with fads. Um, so yeah, I mean, on the bigger boats, as you mentioned, Karen, I can do rudder control, but I, we don't have our boats rigged currently, so that on the bigger boats I do sail. So I usually am telling people how to adjust sails. Um, and that's, that's all I do. I mean, I, I'll, I'll usually ask them to bring sails in and out. I'll tell them kind of when to, when to hoist sails and things like that. Um, but it's you know, it kind of it's, that's pretty difficult on a keelboat anyway, where the person who's the skipper is not actually doing all the hands on things. You're just calling asking people to do other things. Um and with that they do also a little bit of teaching but not anything official. <laughs> I'm not I'm not accredited or
15: anything.
2: Rick Tittle and Karen Lau with Christina Rupke. Christina, take us back it's about five years ago now, the para world sailing championships where you did fantastically well, coming in second in Japan. Can you just give us a little mind uh, mind's eye picture of what was that like?
14: Yeah, and that was actually just a few months ago. That was 2022.
2: Oh, it says 2018 um, here. I was I was in a
14: national championship in 2018, but um, in 2022 I was in Japan. That was just a few months ago.
2: <laughs> okay. Take um, a, take yeah, no, give us was, a little flavor of that, please.
14: That was a wonderful experience. Um, I... Had the opportunity to go to travel to Japan, which I had never I had never been to Japan. Um, me and one other person from our sailing club here, um, my friend Jim Tweet, we traveled there to compete. We were the only U.S. entries into that regatta. I sailed in the Liberty Division, which is which was a very small division. That's <laughs> Probably why I did so well. <laughs> um, no, but I had good competitors. Uh, I I got very lucky. Um, so we had a nine-person division in the open division, which included people without disabilities, and then the para division, which was the world championship. That was only seven people. Um, But it was great fun. Um, Hiroshima Bay is beautiful, if you haven't been. Um, We had perfect sailing conditions. I think it was in the mid-70s, and, you know, light to moderate wind the whole time, which was perfect for me. it was a weight. It was a weighted class, so they weighted all the boats to make us equal. And I'm a relatively small person, so I had 94 pounds added to my boat <laughs> um, to equalize me with our heavier competitors. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was a wonderful experience, and it was, I was really pleased to do, you know, pretty well. I hadn't really been racing since 2018, actually, so that was great.
12: Um, yeah. you know what is it that you like? the most about sailing? What, what, what are the features of sailing that, that really appeal to you?
14: I think just being outside and not being at a desk with a computer. My day job is very, you know, I have a desk job. I type at a computer all day. (laughs) So, on the weekends and in the evenings or, you know, depending on what's happening, it's, it's really nice to get away from being indoors and to a computer. <laughs> I think that's the thing I like. And I guess just being able to go to different beautiful
12: places.
2: And then as a Commodore, what are your responsibilities there?
12: Well, I, so I was Commodore. I'm not currently the
14: Commodore, but it was just uh, the Commodore is kind of the fancy title for president. I always, everyone always jokes you should have a funny hat for Commodore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's basically running the whole club um, overseeing operations, and FADS is a volunteer-only club, so the Commodore does quite a bit in terms of making sure everything comes together and everything's operating. Um, right now, I'm the racing program director, so I just oversee the racing program for
13: FADS.
12: Well, and I've been um, there to your to your club location, which is, was actually partnered with the uh, South Beach Yacht Club, and you have at the docks a lift. Um, and uh, I've I've seen the list operate for putting people into the into the boats, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And and I and now when you when you are going to the small boat, are you sitting in a chair that it actually becomes attached to the boat?
14: Yeah. So everyone does it differently. Um, the way I do it, I'm a bit smaller than. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not. I'm a little bit picky. Um so, and I don't have trunk support or muscles in my trunk, so it's hard for I need support on the side. So I have my own sailing seat, which my dad made for me. Um, my friends just made me a second one, so I can have one in the East Bay and in San Francisco, <laughs> but I use that for all the sailing I do. so um in the small boats and in the keel boats, I use the same sailing seat and that's kind of just fit for me. It's a wooden um, see that actually comes apart and folds into a suitcase so when I travel to Regatas, I can use it there um, but yeah it's pretty cool it's been really useful for me because it means I can go on any boat so Karen I know you have a lot of boat hookups so I can go on any beautiful boat you would like me to go on with you <laughs>
2: <laughs> we just have about a minute Fantastic. we just have about a minute left uh, what's it like being a you know an inspiration to other people as well I know you just want to sail but sometimes you find yourself as a role model right
14: I mean, I think it's good for people who think they may not be able to do, you know, do a sport like sailing to know that, you know, it's, it's useful to say, well, I don't have use of my arms and legs and I can go sailing. So when somebody says, oh, well, I, you know, I twisted my ankle, so I'm not going to go sailing this weekend, I can kind of, you know, give them a good-natured little push in the right direction to like, oh, maybe you can go sailing anyway. <laughs>
2: All right, there she is, Christina Rubke, an amazing story of perseverance and just an absolute love of sailing. Christina, thank you so much for being on SalesSportTalk.com on Sports Byline.
12: Thanks so much.
2: Bye. And, thank you
12: so much, Christina.
2: And uh, good to hear from you uh, again, Karen, and we'll do it again next week. How about that?
12: We will indeed. Thank you, Rick.
2: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back on Sports Byline.
5: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store?
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: All right. uh, As we go into our number two of three, Dalvin Cook of the Vikings just had surgery to repair a uh, shoulder that he broke in 2019. Since then, he has gone to four straight Pro Bowls. Remember how fantastic he was coming out of Florida State? And I remember Carson Levitt was in here saying, the Niners have to get Dalvin Cook. That was the guy he was in love with <clears throat> at the time. But, yeah, consensus pro bowler. And, uh, by the way, last year he switched his number from 33 to 4 for all of you who bought his jerseys. He also had 39 catches. And, of course, the Vikings won their division. Um, and they were upset by the Giants in the wild card round. I did not see that one coming. Uh, at all but um, to keep uh, Cook fresh you would probably imagine that Ty Chandler who was a fifth round pick last year will probably get a little bit more carries but when I heard for an injury from 2019 but he's been an all-star basically as we say all-pro since then all I could think of was Carlos Correa you had this injury from years and years ago but you've been awesome since then so um, what it means to me is that it's not that big a deal, but my, they always say minor surgery is surgery on someone else. Um, when you are getting it, it's not minor, but, uh, it's pretty amazing. He busted his shoulder in 2019 and never had it looked at. And so, and you think about these guys as uh, gladiators and the, uh, the price they pay and all the time, I mean, I just had Carl Eller on talking about the gridiron grates and the what Mike Dickett does with that uh, assistance uh, as well. And then every once in a while, he'll put Joe Montana on the phone too. What? All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We got another hour. Come on back.
16: USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. The shooter is dead, as are three students at Michigan State University after last night's mass shooting on campus. Five others wounded, all with life-threatening injuries. But MSU Police Deputy Chief Chris Roseman says police and citizens made the difference.
17: Because of our quick release of the photo, the photograph from the campus security cameras and the help from our community... It was a caller's tip that led law enforcement to that
16: suspect. A suspect who then killed himself. East Lansing, Michigan's Congresswoman, Democrat Elisa Slotkin, is tired of this.
10: I don't know anybody, a hunter, a sportsman, who thinks that it's okay that our kids are being killed in their sanctuaries, in their schools.
16: Slotkin says the federal government's failing to respond to children being killed by guns. Today's the fifth anniversary of the Parkland, Florida school shootings. The gunman's serving a life sentence for killing 17 students and adults, and it led to a Florida law raising the age to buy firearms and remove guns from thousands of people deemed to be a threat. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley used a social media video this morning to announce her run for president. NATO's meeting in Brussels has produced more support for Ukraine and a frank assessment of the expected Russian spring offensive.
2: Almost one year since the invasion, President Putin is not preparing for peace. He's launching new offensives. So we must continue to provide Ukraine with what it needs to win.
16: NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Putin is swapping quantity for quality, sending nearly untrained troops to the front. January's Consumer Price Index is pretty much where the experts predicted, up by one-half of 1% from December. The benchmark measure of inflation rose by 6.4% over the 12 months ending in January. This is USA News.
18: Let me guess. Unknown caller? You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection. The latest innovation from Discover will help regularly remove your personal info like your name and address from ten popular people search websites that could sell your data. And we'll do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. If you're a diabetic,
8: we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance.
0: If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-471-7065, 800-471-7065, 800-471-7065, that's 800-471-7065. So
16: far, no joy in the effort to recover debris from those objects that were shot down over the U.S. and Canada over the weekend. All three came down in very remote areas. And Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says all three recovery efforts pose unique challenges. If you're wondering just who would send up a balloon so high that it could be shot down, here's a possible example. Oceanographers in San Diego recently sent up a six-foot balloon equipped with sensors to measure the cooling and heating of clouds off the coast. It was not shot down. It eventually just deflated after a three- or four-hour journey. A warning, if your Valentine's Day includes a shiny metallic helium-filled balloon... Power companies regularly deal with outages caused by those balloons floating up into power lines. Last year, California officials counted more than 400 balloon-caused outages. It's a different sort of Valentine's Day celebration today at the Bexar County Courthouse in San Antonio, Texas.
9: Have a nice donut and a copy of your divorce decree because, you know, everyone needs a copy of the divorce decree for one thing or another.
16: District Clerk Gloria Martinez is handing out donuts to those picking up their divorce papers today.
9: Why should it just be the ones that are getting married? How about the ones that have been divorced and to show, hey, you know, it's not all that bad.
16: Martinez says divorces finalize some very tough decisions on things like property and child custody. And the silver lining? Martinez says the divorce allows those people to get married again. I'm Rich Johnson, USA News.
6: Average rates.
16: I don't even recognize myself anymore.
11: I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this, ever.
16: Hey, look. I, I never wanted to start using. I I knew the drill, but I was out of options.
11: I just want to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help. People who have felt your pain.
0: That's 800 378 3508. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
9: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to Hour 2 of this show. Director Alyssa Namias is coming up. She has a new film called Art and Crimes. Crimes with a K. Evan Drellich, who I used to interview all the time when he was with the Houston Chronicle on my pregame show when the A's played the Astros. He has a new book called Winning Fixes Everything about those Astros. And Dennis Silvers, Bilko himself, Wait, that's Phil. He'll join us from Pro Wagering and we'll talk a little golf. That's right, golf. <clears throat> I need to get to I was gonna talk WBC yesterday, but I had some calls, so I'm gonna get to that. The World Boxing Council. No, the World Baseball Classic. And Dominic, you ready in about three weeks to fill in for a few days here? Did you hear you got the dates? You didn't get the dates. Okay. <laughs> The USA has waited six years to defend their title. There was a pandemic, you might have heard. And so they'll finally get to do that, and we'll talk about some of the early games at Chase Field against Mexico. Uh, also, um, Great Britain. We'll look at the rosters. And also Colombia. I kill a Colombian for free. Sorry, that was Tony Montana, not me. one 800 870 I used to uh, work with the great Luis Alberto Torres. Or Luis Alberto Torres. He was the guy that got me on the field for Mexico, Russia in nineteen ninety. He's the one that introduced me into Bora Milyatinovich. He used to do a lot for me. And uh he was from Colombia. And he says, uh, in Colombia we don't say we say go, 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 go. I say, oh yeah. I think I have heard that. All right. um, (laughs) We have open lines. The hell kind of shows this. I don't know. 1-800-878. Play a big shout out to our troops listening on American Forces Radio Network and 500 outlets, 177 countries, ships at sea. Hopefully you're not listening in the brig and you can't hear me on the hangar deck, or can you take those ear pods out? You're defending America. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
1: Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview. Game with Doug, brand new mug. Come here, kid, (laughs) give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. New COVID-19 boosters designed for recent Omicron variants are now available. Learn about eligibility and schedule a free updated booster today at vaccines.gov. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: This week, Staples has deals so good, you're going to want to sit down. Are you sitting? I'll
18: wait. Great. Right now, during Staples Sitathon, select chairs are up to 50% off, like the Union and Scale Essentials Meshback Task Chair. Now just $89.99 at Staples. You save $90. Plus, get two 2-ounce bottles of Purell hand sanitizer, free with the Staples Connect app. So take a seat or two. Right now at Staples, the working, learning, and saving store. Ends 218. In-store only. Purell limit 2 while supplies last.
17: Check out
2: Channel 9. Check out Rick Tittle. <laughs> Check me out, yo, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast. Uh, when we get our guest, we will put her on the air. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's right. 1-800-87A-PLAY. We're trying to find her. Um, Looking at... Uh, why don't I take a look at that World Baseball Classic? As I said, we need to... Uh, look at the groups. <clears throat> first of all, this is all going to start on March eighth, and it will go until the championship on March twenty first. So it's going to be pretty fast. Pool A will be in Taichung. Taichung is in Taiwan, and that will be Chinese Taipei, or as we would call it, Taiwan, Netherlands, or look called Formosa. Netherlands, or we call it Holland. Shut up, Rick cuba italy italy and panama pool b will be in tokyo japan korea australia china czech republic that great asian nation pool c will be at chase field in phoenix get down and check it out usa mexico colombia canada and great britain too And then Pool D will be in Miami. Puerto Rico, who won it in 2013, remember? Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Israel, and Nicaragua. That's right. Like the way they say it. Not Nicaragua, but Nicaragua. So when you look around and you think about some of the other teams, Chinese Taipei. Well, the... Chinese Professional League MVP is Li Lin, and a guy named Kung Kwang Jil Jelly Jaw. That's his name. Kung Kwang Jil Jelly Jaw. He led the league in home runs in Taiwan last year. Um, Ji Jellywa Wah uh, changed his name to reflect his Chinese indigenous tribe name. He got to AAA with the Indians at the time. They're now the Guardians. Outfielder Chie Sien Chin. Has walked more times than he struck out with the Uni President Lions. Anyone from the majors? Well, Yu Chen Chang had 14 home runs in the majors, and Song Che Chang uh, is a A ball player for the Pirates who stole 33 bases, and then a Richmond uh, Flying Squirrel Giants Double A Kai Wen Tang. You heard of him? Uh, we'll get to the USA, obviously. The, um, the Netherlands, they're called the Honkballers, which I think is amazing. And they were the original darlings of the World Baseball Classic just because they were bringing everybody from Curaçao or Aruba, like Xander Bogarts, Jonathan Scope, Chadwick Tromp, speaking of the Giants. But also, the Honkballers will have Vladimir Ballantyne, who holds the Japanese single season home run record, 60 and showed off plenty of power six years ago. And then the pitching is a little thin, although you do have Kenley Jansen and Jair Jurgens. Remember him? Uh, they'll be in Miami. Uh, and by the way, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, the official name, uh, is also Aruba, Bonaire, Curaçao, Saba, Sint Eustatius, and St. Martin. Uh, yeah. And, of course, we get to uh, Cuba, which is a huge international powerhouse in baseball as well. And uh, we'll get to them in a minute, but we have located our guest, and it is filmmaker Alyssa. Do you say Namia or Namia, Alyssa? Uh,
9: Namias, yeah.
2: Alyssa nice Na- to be here, Rick. Yeah, Alyssa Namia is with us, and she's here to talk about her new film, Art and Crimes by Crimes. That's K R I. MES, and this has done very well at film festivals so far. Uh, Thursday, it will be screened at 6.30 at the Roxy here in town, and um, uh, Alyssa will be there for some Q&A, and Friday down at uh, Stanford uh, as well, and that event uh, will be free and open to all. Uh, Alyssa, welcome to the show. Tell us a little... Yeah.
9: let me just, before we move on, the, the Stanford event is actually Wednesday night. Um, so that was must have just been a typo um, in the info you had. But okay. yeah, Wednesday night at Stanford and Thursday night at the Roxy.
2: Okay, great. Yeah, it says Friday, February fifteenth. So that's wrong. It's it's okay. tomorrow. Yes, it's
9: Wednesday the fifteenth. Exactly. It's
2: tomorrow <laughs> night. Okay, I'm glad we got that straight. Uh, tell us a little bit about who Crimes is.
9: Yes. So Crimes is the artist Jesse Crimes who, uh, while he was incarcerated in U.S. federal prison a few years ago, he created these large-scale works of art that he smuggled out piece by piece um, and only saw assembled when he finally came home after six years of incarceration. Um, And so the film follows Jesse, both the story of how he made those works inside with the help of fellow artists who are also going to be at the screenings with us in the Bay Area, Um, and it also then follows them trying to make it in the art world as they come home, which is no small feat for any artist, let alone, uh, someone who's experienced, you know, uh, incarceration.
2: And why was he in jail?
9: So he was in jail on, uh, uh, drug charges. So he had been dealing drugs. He grew up in poverty with a teen mom. Um, and struggled a lot, and that's not to give excuses, but just to give context for kind of how Jesse came up and got into selling drugs to make ends meet, and this was his second offense on a pretty harsh, um, you know, mandatory minimum sentence in Pennsylvania where, where he was uh, arrested, and, um, and that landed him in prison for actually for six Years so the first year of that was spent in solitary confinement pre-sentencing, which is a common practice where folks are held pre-sentencing in harsh conditions in part to try to uh, get them sometimes to share information or take a plea bargain, etc. And um, while he was in solitary, that's where Jesse begins to experiment with materials like playing cards, soap, whatever was available and being very resourceful with um, creating works that, that gave him uh, rem- a reminder and in the act of creativity of, of basic human dignity.
2: And uh, obviously they're not supplied with great palettes and canvases and paints and easels. What? How did he make his art?
9: Not at all. Yeah, so like in, in solitary it was... Things like playing cards, which, which the men who were incarcerated were able to kind of pass back and forth. So after everyone was done with them, or if there were extra cards from a, an incomplete deck, Jesse would use those um, and carve out the faces. And then slivers of prison-issued prison soap, he would cut those and figured out how to make transfers, image transfers from the newspaper onto the soaps, um, and made this extensive work called the Purgatory Series, Um, which is uh, on his website. Uh, If if folks want to take a look, jessicrimes.com or our website, crimesfilm.com, has some images. And um, then when he got into, when he was sentenced and and sent to a federal facility, um, he started to figure out how to translate that image transfer, uh, you know, technique, kind of like when you transfer, uh, you know, when you were a kid and you transfer images from the newspaper onto Silly Putty? Mm Mm-hmm. It's like that, um, and then he did that with bed sheets. So he started to get scraps of bed sheets and transfer images from the, the newspaper onto there, and kind of draw on top of them, and really perfected his drawing skills using bed sheets as a canvas. So it it, it got more sophisticated as he moved through the system and met other artists as well. Like he ended up the the largest piece he did. In the last three years of his incarceration is called Apocalyptine, and it's a 40-foot mural made up of, like, 18 by 24-ish panels that he shipped out one by one. So he never saw the 40-foot piece, which was all made of images transferred onto bedsheets with a hair gel and a plastic spoon. Uh, he never saw it put together until he came home. Um, so our film started fall. I met Jesse when he had just come home. He was in the halfway house still and had just seen that piece put together and had very big dreams, but a lot of obstacles in front of him. And the film traces that. Um, and, you know, incarceration affects one in three people in America. Um, it's, a, it's a something that, you know, when you start talking about it, uh, you'll realize how many people in your life are impacted. And um, so we knew that this story would touch a lot of people and bring to light um, a lot of the talent and creativity that is, um, you know, not taken seriously and hidden behind bars.
2: It's from MTV documentary films called "Art and Crimes by Crimes," directed by our guests Alyssa Namias, and uh, it'll be tomorrow down at uh, Stanford at uh, the Anderson Collection, and then on Thursday at the Roxy Theater here in San Francisco, six uh, o'clock tomorrow, six thirty on Thursday. Alyssa, congratulations on the film and having it been uh, so well-received, and uh, let's catch up on your next one.
9: Thanks, Rick. We're, me and the artist are so excited for these screenings, and, and thanks for having us on the show.
2: No doubt. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back, and we'll talk a little more WBC on the other side.
0: That's 800-760-1845. Oh,
1: come now, don't be ashamed.
5: We all have our idiosyncrasies.
11: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
2: Oh, thanks for that. Sometimes you need a little outside perspective. Like I talked to so many people who are in the sporting world, sports fans like myself. And I was talking to somebody about Aaron Rodgers. And I said, yeah, he's locking himself in complete darkness with no sound for four days. And they were like, that's hilarious. I go, no. And they went, no, he's not. He's not doing that. I'm like, yeah, he is. It started sounding normal to me, and then I realized when I talked to the other person, I'm like, oh, it is insane. <laughs> All right, back to the rosters. Cuba, as I was mentioning. All five Olympic games <clears throat> in which baseball was in, and they were going to have it at 2012 London Hyde Park Corner, they were going to turn into a baseball field, and then they dropped it, which sucked. Remember um, Doug Kavich. He got the last out, and Tommy Lasorda, who's been on the show late great – well, late Tommy Lasorda, uh, he was the manager. He says, I've only worn three uniforms in my life, Boy Scout, Army, and Dodgers. I'm like, well, you wore that one. So, <clears throat> listen, they won a medal in all five Olympics in which they had. And if you think about what the White Sox with Luis Lobert and Johan Moncada uh, – Andy Abanez of Detroit, Ronald Bolaños of the Royals. You got players in Japan like Yurisbel Gracial and Ariel Martinez. You also have some young phenoms like a twenty one year old catcher named Andres Perez and a left hander named Nikal Cruz. Yoannis Cespedes doesn't have a team, but he's back there, by the way. And he had three triples in two thousand nine before he defected and picked Oakland, which wouldn't happen now. And uh, Alfredo de Spagna will be there too, who has seven home runs, which is a record. Italy. Mike Piazza, who once played for them, he is now the manager. And Italy has a pretty good baseball league if you compare it to other countries in Europe. Junior Guerra is... <clears throat> um, <clears throat> pitched for San Marino, and I guess because they're landlocked, he now pitches for Italy. But uh, Italy probably has the most aptly nicknamed uh, player on its roster, and that's Vinny the Italian Nightmare, Pasquatino with the Royals. He had 10 home runs. Nicky Lopez, Cardinal starter, Andy Palante. David Fletcher apparently has Italian blood. Matt Harvey, remember him? He's back. And there's a left-handed pitcher in the Giants system named Joey Marciano, who is related to Rocky Marciano. Did you know that? In the Giants system. And then Sam Freelick, a first-round pick of the Brewers. Panama, America's strongest team in Central America, but they have never won a game in the Classic. They could end that drought. We'll see. The, if you go back to the Caribbean series, they won that in 1950, but they have Jaime Barilla, uh Rockies reliever Justin Lawrence, Javi Guerra, Christian Bethencourt, Jonathan Arauz, Ruben Tejada. They have a Dodgers prospect named Jose Ramos, who's supposed to be really good. Let's go to Pool B in Tokyo with Japan. Of course, there's Shohei Otani, the one-man superhero team guy. He's expected to hit and be the closer. Wow. Shohei Otani is a closer. Here he comes. Wow. Uh, Roki Sasaki, who pitched back-to-back. Well, he almost pitched back-to-back perfect games for the Marines last season. What division, Rick? No, the Chibe Latte Marines in NBC. So... Uh, Sekai Suzuki, Lars Notebar. Yes, Japanese. Yu Darvish just signed an extension with San Diego, if you didn't know. Uh, And the new Red Sox outfielder who just signed, Masataka Yoshida. The reigning Japanese MVP, Munataka Murakami, who hit 56 home runs last year, will be there uh, as well, but um, who will not be on. Uh, the roster is the new guys on the A's, Nakajima. <clears throat> Korea. Korea might have the best up-the-middle defense in the tournament because you have Ha-Seong Kim, the Padres shortstop, and Tommy Edman. Yes, that classic Korean last name. I love it. If you have a grandparent, you're in. I didn't realize he was at least uh, one-quarter Korean. Uh, Kwang-Hyung Kim is a former Cardinals pitcher. And then you've got some youngsters, Yui Lee Lee and Hyung Jun. Third baseman Jong Choi will be there. Byung-ho Park, we remember him. He'll be over at first base. Uh, Jung-ho Lee is on the team uh, as well. And then you get Australia. And the most well-known Australian right now is Liam Hendricks. And, of course, he has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. All the best to him, obviously. Uh, Warwick Sopold of Detroit, Aaron Whitefield of the Tigers will be there. It would be great if they could bring back my man, Grant Balfour. Uh, but they have uh, Robbie Glendinning, who hit 12, uh, 22 home runs, a double A for Kansas City last year. Uh, you might remember they had a mercy rule victory over Mexico last time, 17 to 7. <clears throat> China. Ray Chang returns for his fourth WBC. He's hit 324 and all the other ones. Alan Carter, an Angels prospect, a pitcher, Kwang Ju, um, Yasuke Masago, the Japanese name, uh, Czech Republic, Eric Sogard, Nerd Power, (laughs) is the only big leaguer or former big league there as well. Uh, a guy named Michal Kovala has committed to Georgia Tech, and he pitched a perfect game in Europe. No other player was born in the Czech Republic. Martin Cervenka um, uh, is on the team. A guy who is a fireman named Martin Schneider, uh, who lives in Spain, is on the team. Wow, they've really shaken the tree here. Starting peaker, uh, pitcher Lukaj uh is their ace, and he's also their director of media broadcasting. So he's their press guy and their pitcher. Team captain Peter Zima is a designated hitter, but his full-time job, he is a financial analyst. Uh, their closer, Merrick Minerick, is a real estate agent. And center fielder Arnoj Dubolvi teaches high school geography in Brno. And the list goes on and on like that. But this is what makes it interesting, too. <laughs> I don't know if Eric Sogard... What I mean, obviously, I, I qualify for Denmark as my grandfather was born there. Uh, Soccer-wise, uh, Denmark is a 1,000 light years ahead of USA. But baseball-wise, uh, Denmark is the backwater... So it's too late for me, but I probably would have been the closer and the starting short. No, I'm just kidding. There's plenty of people with Danish heritage. But I think that's what makes it interesting. Those are our first two pools, and I will get to the other uh, two pools uh, as well in in, uh, Hour 3, especially with USA. USA. I'll just say this about USA as a teaser. The last WBC at Chase Field, Mike Trout was in the crowd. Behind home plate, laughing and eating popcorn, and I said, "That's our best player." And this really sucks. The only so he's going to play this time. The only thing that's scary is that our manager is the former Penn quarterback, Mark Derosa. Why is he our manager? I don't know. He's got some experience on his staff. We'll talk about that. But coming up next, Evan Drellich has a new book. Come on back on Sports Violin.
11: Well, I always say that we we look at baseball in American history, right, as America's national pastime. That tells us something right there. That means that we attached particular characteristics to baseball that represented what we thought America was all about, right? If you leave out of that discussion the entire Black experience, then you're leaving out a huge chunk of American history.
21: From legendary sports broadcaster Ron Barr, and the Sports Byline Archives comes a series that explores the
1: players and the culture of Negro League Baseball.
8: Willie, if I could transport myself back to a particular time, I'd love to go back and be able to just watch the Negro Leagues. They were so special. Yeah. There were players that played with great heart, great emotion, and a love for the game. You were involved with them. Tell me what was so special about that.
21: Well, uh, to me, now, I can only speak to myself because I was only there two years. They made me say, hey, you're going to go to the majors. That, that's just what they say every day. You're going to go to the majors. We not. We may not go because when I was 15, those guys were 25, and they didn't have a lot of chance to go. They was only going to stay there. But they said to me, when I first got there, we're going to make sure you go to the majors. That means you're not going to do anything wrong. You're going to do everything right. All you do is go out and play. The archive of interviews includes Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and over 50 other Negro League players, telling their stories in their own voices.
15: Baseball was, uh, you know, everybody was just here to play baseball
13: because
15: Jackie Robinson was the first black to play in our day and time. And uh, he, uh, he, he said he had, he's opening up uh, all the, the players that were the guy interested in baseball. I always felt
16: like uh, there were hope. I always felt like if you just keep doing your job, that uh, somewhere you was going to touch somebody's mind and somebody's soul, and,
21: and somebody was going to be uh,
16: wise enough to realize the only thing that uh, you wanted to do was to have a chance to play baseball.
21: It is important that they understand that these leagues were segregated at one point in time. It was by no necessary desire of those black players that they weren't included in the major leagues. And so they did indeed create their league. And this league became a great league. And I don't want that to be lost. The courageous owners who financed these teams and the players who played against the backdrop of American segregation. This is quite significant. Behind the Barrier, Voices
1: from the Negro Leagues is available on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
11: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our uh, pleasure to welcome to the show longtime sports writer, now with The Athletic, Evan Drellich. He has a uh, brand-new book out from Harper called Winning Fixes Everything, How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sport's Biggest Mess. And, Evan, first of all, I'd like to thank you uh, uh, several years ago, many times when I was doing the Oakland A's pre- and post-game show for parts of nine seasons. When you were with the Chronicle, you used to come on when the we were playing the Astros. So, first of all, thanks for jumping in on all those shows.
17: You know, I, I, I'm glad that somebody remembers that and uh, that we could be reunited here today.
2: Very cool. So, um it, it, it's so interesting the way this, uh, we're talking about the Astros scandal, obviously, but I remember the early days, uh, of the Lastros, I actually had, uh, Jeff Luno because I would do my show from the visiting GM box, which was almost never used. And, and Jeff Luno was in there and we started talking and I said, well, I got to start the show. And he said, well, you know, I can be your guest. And so I handed him a stick mic and we did a half hour and I asked him some very, Poignant questions about, you know, why did you give Feldman money when you're trying to build a young team? And he said, "Well, they need a veteran." And I said, "Why do you fire Bo Porter? Why not ride out the season?" He said, "Well, I, I figured once a decision was made." And he talked about how he worked for a startup in Emeryville, and he used to come to the Coliseum all the time. He seemed to me like the most smart that you know what he did with the Cardinals. Obviously, built that team. To me, he seemed about as solid and as smart as a guy could come. So is that when you say brightest minds, you're talking about him mostly, right?
17: Yeah. So look, it's not only him, but certainly he's a central figure in the after story and and everything that unfolds in Houston. You know, it, it's funny that anecdote because in the book, in in my own experience, Jeff has always been very good at kind of cultivating attention. You know, he, he was he was a marketing executive at one point, and he he had this way of being very charming, very personable. You know, if, if he wanted media attention, he knew how to get uh, positive media attention. Sometimes he would also get uh, negative uh, media attention. But that that doesn't surprise me, right? There, I don't know. There are probably some other general managers who would do that and go, well, oh, why don't you interview me? Um, but that's, <laughs> that's Jeff. That, that, that's a Jeff move right there, right? He wants that attention. And... You know, I think underlying that, there's probably a bit of ego there.
2: No doubt. And then on the other hand, at that same time, uh, I have one rich friend, and at his 50th birthday party, so this is, I guess, seven years ago in Napa, Jim Crane was there. And um, Jim Crane was so happy he found another baseball guy in me. He talked to me the whole night. He talked about how... You know, he was a pitcher and blew out his arm at Central Missouri, and, and he's trying to buy he's trying to buy the Corpus Christi Hooks and get. And I just I admired the hell out of him, and it's just funny how that kind of flipped too.
17: Yeah, you know, in general, whether it's the Astros or whatever, I, the people who are kind of the most dangerous in, in this world, and I'm not saying that Jeff Luno and Jim Crane are the most dangerous people uh, that exist in the world, uh, but you know, these people who, who are who, who can be smart. And charming, um, you know, G- Jim is a wheeling and dealing businessman. He's made a ton of money, and frankly, in his industry, which is logistics and trucking, you know, the way you do that is, is you you schmooze a bit, right? It's 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 you're good at entertaining clients. Um, He would bring a lot of them out to the ballpark. And in the early years, there there was an incident where he brings everybody up to the dugout, you know, these people he's taken around, during a game, right, like kind of to the foot of the dugout. Like, you can't do that. It's a game. And he didn't understand that. Um, But, yeah, it it doesn't surprise me that that these interactions with these people would be very grabbing. You know, they, they are... They are skilled and compelling people uh, when it comes to interaction, usually. Not always, but usually.
2: All right, and then speaking of the A's, Mike Fires was with Oakland when he kind of dropped the bomb. At least that's when he was getting some of the retribution. How much is he viewed as, you know, a stool pigeon, and then how much of he is viewed as a guy who deserves a medal for speaking up?
17: So, you know, the book explains... uh, some of the reporting process here. I think everybody, or a lot of people on the outside, assumed that because Mike Fires was on the record, we had four sources in the original story that broke the ass after- of cheating. Uh, one of them was on the record. Uh, the other three were anonymous. The one that was on the record was Mike Fires. I think everybody kind of assumed, well, the way this happened is Mike Fiers decided one day he was going to call up Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellick and just spill the beans, and you know that's how we were going to, at this story though it's actually really the opposite uh we spoke to fires three days before publishing we already had all the facts and Mm. and you know if we don't have the facts and we're calling him and it's more of a fishing expedition does he talk i don't know i'm glad we didn't have to find that out uh i think what fires did took courage you know he, he was along with the other three who were anonymous a whistleblower um the world needs whistleblowers. This is just baseball. You know, it's, it's not the setting where uh, it, it might be most important in the world. But, look, the guy saw something wrong and felt that it was the right thing to do to, to acknowledge it and put his name behind it. You know, that, and that does take courage. I know a lot of people don't like him for it. Astros fans hate him for it. But, uh, you know, he did help change the game. And, and I think... Cr- added a validation of the story i don't think anybody makes that story go away even if we don't have fires on the record but the story's in a much better place if we have fires on the record
2: by the way have i've been calling you the wrong name all these years you're drelic
17: yeah but listen I get it's, you know it's fifty fifty. <laughs> flip a coin you know Drelich. it's fine you know at this point call me, call me whatever you want
2: evan Drelich is with us the book winning fix uh, fixes everything a couple more questions here You talk about off the record. We know about the uh, immunity, and so Luno gets fired. Uh, Hinch, who I loved at Stanford, I was so excited when the A's drafted him, he just couldn't hit, but he became a a successful manager. He gets fired. Jim Crane doesn't really get punished at first, but then here's uh, guys that people used to love, like Altuve and Bregman, who now are sitting there you know, saying, oh, we're really sorry, and they didn't get punished because they had immunity. How did that all go down about who got punished and who didn't get punished?
17: Yeah, so the question of immunity is in some ways kind of a technical one. Um, you know, the players in baseball are represented by a union. If major league baseball, if the commissioner wakes up one day and says, you know what, I'm newly going to punish a certain behavior in a, in a certain way. I'm going to assign... 10 games to everybody who was on a team that was cheating. Well, you're going to have a grievance, and probably the players' union would win. And on top of this, the, uh, the commissioner had said already in, in memorandums that, hey, if this happens, I'm holding the GM and the manager accountable. Uh, and actually, one of them specifically said not the players. Um, and, and so why is this? Because you have to give notice. You know, you, you can't just decide on a whim what you're going to do. And so when, when you have 2019 arrive and you have our story come out, you know, at that point, Manfred tries to punish them. You know, there's a good chance they either get entirely overturned or significantly reduced. And so he, he kind of, you know, he did maybe the more practical thing, which is, all right, I'll grant immunity. I don't think the guy needed to grant immunity to get to the bottom of this, right? Our story was very detailed. There was video footage compiled by John Boy that came out right afterward. But, you know, I, I don't think Manfred ever sat there and thought, huh, what if I'm in a situation where I don't sternly punish these players? Because if he had thought about that, and he had thought about what the reaction would be like, and obviously the reaction was terrible, he would have taken steps ahead of time to make sure that he had given notice to the players' union that they had worked out some sort of arrangement and understanding of yes this behavior is punishable in this way. Um, And, you know, that wasn't what happened here. So, in short, the problem was a lack of foresight from the commissioner's office.
2: Gotcha. Um, What about, if you think of, uh, you know, lately in the news, uh, Alex Cora uh, chimed in, and uh, he basically said uh, he's not going to read your book. And I don't know if you heard that or not. Um, And, of course, Carlos Beltran got punished as well. What do you think about those two gentlemen and this involvement?
17: Well, they were certainly involved. In, you know, the book goes into some of the stuff that was going on with the Red Sox, the Yankees, some new reporting on the Dodgers in there. Um, you know, this question of, of, and it even kind of relates to your last question. You know, who deserves the blame? A, a team-wide cheating scandal is a tough thing to parcel up blame for. You know, okay, is it the people who kind of spearheaded it and, and started it? Or what about those who used it? What about those who maybe didn't use it but stood by and watched it and didn't say anything, didn't stop it? Um, you know, Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran were driving forces behind this scheme. Uh, Cora had a very interesting one year in Houston. He almost got fired. He, he tore verbally into... His manager, A.J. Hinch, drunkenly in front of the entire team in August. Um, you know, he, he was an erratic and immature figure in his time in Houston, even beyond the cheating. Um, so I think they are receiving warranted attention. I, I think you can ask the question, well, do others deserve uh, attention that they're not getting? Yeah, I, I, I think that's possible. But I don't look at it and go, you know, Core Beltron uh had nothing to do with you know, They were certainly driving portions of the scheme.
2: Just as an aside before we let you go, when a guy like Cora says the timing of your book is awkward, he's not going to read it, does that help sales? Does it make people more intrigued by it?
17: I don't know. You know, this is the first. I did one little rinky-dink Red Sox book uh, uh, before. This is my first, uh, you know, what I would call a real book. So, I mean, look, certainly my hope is people read it. You know, the big thing for me,
15: this believe
17: me, this hasn't been a project about money. This was, there's nobody better positioned to tell this story. If I'm ever going to write a book in my life, uh, it's got to be this one. Because, you know, I broke the story, covered the Astros. I have a vantage that nobody else has here. And so, look, you know, people are going to say, whether it's CORE or somebody else, They can kind of say what they want. I'm just glad that the people now have a chance to read this full story. It took me three years. It's really ten years of my reporting career. And I think you, you will walk away from it understanding not just Houston, but like literally the last decade in baseball in a way that I don't think people quite grasp at this moment.
2: There it is, the book in Astros' Colors, Winning Fixes Everything, How Baseball's Brightest Minds Created Sports. Biggest Mess, available now from Harper, from our guest, from the athletic longtime sports writer, Evan Drellick. Evan, great stuff. Congratulations on the book, and uh, let's catch up down the road. Yeah, I'll see
17: you in a, see you in a uh, press box at the Oakland Coliseum. Like
2: Sounds great. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come on back on Byline.
11: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
2: All right, uh, hour three about to come. You might remember last year, so many games in which position players were pitching. It was really lame. Well, MLB has a new rule. The Joint Competition Committee, this is the rule. You have to be, if you're leading, you have to be up by 10 before you can put in a position player. And if you're behind, you have to be behind by eight. And if you're in extra innings, then anybody can pitch. So (laughs) do you know how many, not counting Shoei Otani, do you know how many position players pitched last year, Dominic? How many would you say for the whole season? Forty-five. 132. I was not close. You missed it by 90 almost. That is amazing. The five years before that, 93 combined for five years. So it became such a joke. Last year, Hanser Alberto of the Dodgers pitched ten times, eight times in wins, and that's what they don't want anymore. So, <laughs> listen, I'm all for it. Obviously, in extra innings, anything goes, but extra innings don't last that long anyway. So, you got to be up by ten or down by eight to put in a position player to have Mikey Scramski pitch. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
16: USA News, I'm Richard Johnson. The shooter is dead, as are three students at Michigan State University after last night's mass shooting on campus. Five others wounded, all with life-threatening injuries. But MSU Police Deputy Chief Chris Roseman says police and citizens made the difference.
17: Because of our quick release of the photo, the photograph from the campus security cameras and the help from our community... It was a caller's tip that led law enforcement to that
16: suspect. A suspect who then killed himself. East Lansing, Michigan's Congresswoman, Democrat Elisa Slotkin, is tired of this.
10: I don't know anybody, a hunter, a sportsman, who thinks that it's okay that our kids are being killed in their sanctuaries, in their schools.
16: Slotkin says the federal government's failing to respond to children being killed by guns. Today's the fifth anniversary of the Parkland, Florida school shootings. The gunman serving a life sentence for killing 17 students and adults, and it led to a Florida law raising the age to buy firearms and remove guns from thousands of people deemed to be a threat. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley used a social media video this morning to announce her run for president. NATO's meeting in Brussels has produced more support for Ukraine and a frank assessment of the expected Russian spring offensive.
2: Almost one year since the invasion, President Putin is not preparing for peace. He's launching new offensives. So we must continue to provide Ukraine with what it needs to win.
16: NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Putin is swapping quantity for quality, sending nearly untrained troops to the front. January's Consumer Price Index is pretty much where the experts predicted, up by one-half of 1% from December. The benchmark measure of inflation rose by 6.4% over the 12 months ending in January. This is USA News.
18: Let me guess. Unknown caller? You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection. The latest innovation from Discover will help regularly remove your personal info like your name and address from ten popular people search websites that could sell your data. And we'll do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. If you're a diabetic,
8: we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance.
0: If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call US Med now to learn more. 800 471 7065. 800 471 7065. 800 471 7065. That's 800 471 7065. So
16: far, no joy in the effort to recover debris from those objects that were shot down over the US and Canada over the weekend. All three came down in very remote areas. And Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says all three recovery efforts pose unique challenges. If you're wondering just who would send up a balloon so high that it could be shot down, here's a possible example. Oceanographers in San Diego recently sent up a six-foot balloon equipped with sensors to measure the cooling and heating of clouds off the coast. It was not shot down. It eventually just deflated after a three- or four-hour journey. A warning, if your Valentine's Day includes a shiny metallic helium-filled balloon... Power companies regularly deal with outages caused by those balloons floating up into power lines. Last year, California officials counted more than 400 balloon-caused outages. It's a different sort of Valentine's Day celebration today at the Bexar County Courthouse in San Antonio, Texas.
9: Have a nice donut and a copy of your divorce decree because, you know, everyone needs a copy of the divorce decree for one thing or another.
16: District Clerk Gloria Martinez is handing out donuts to those picking up their divorce papers today.
9: Why should it just be the ones that are getting married? How about the ones that have been divorced and to show, hey, you know, it's not all that bad.
16: Martinez says divorces finalize some very tough decisions on things like property and child custody. And the silver lining? Martinez says the divorce allows those people to get married again. I'm Rich Johnson, USA News.
6: average rates.
8: you and you don't even have to leave your home.
2: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast. Happy Valentine's Day to you. I always find that the British, and I was raised on Money Python and that stuff, the the droll humor is so good. They're so good on the internet when it comes to soccer, especially the self-deprecating stuff. But uh, coming up in less than an hour, Tottenham will be back at the San Siro, the Estadio Giuseppe Meazza in a knockout round first leg against Milan. Tottenham with Hugo Lloris basically out for two months. Uh, Rodrigo Benton-Kerr out for the season. A lot of injuries. Horrible display against Leicester. Probably the worst I've seen in years. Just no passion or or lethargy through the whole team. But there was a pretty funny thing on uh, Twitter. And um, it was a uh, basically... Uh, It says uh, how a uh, Spurs fan can ruin uh, Valentine's Day. And it's a guy in the uh, old 1980, 1990 kid, I should say, which I have, the old yellow Holston. And um, his girlfriend's saying, so we're going out for Valentine's Day? He's like, no, it's Spurs at Milan. And she goes, I told you to be free Tuesday night. Where am I going to find a man who's free on Tuesday night? And then it shows a guy in an Arsenal jersey, and he goes, I'm free. I just sent it to you. You can check it out. <coughs> Did you send it to me, Rick? Yeah, that's right. Girl. But anyway, uh, free for now. This is all we have is the FA Cup and the... <laughs> it's the only way to go. All right, 1-800-878-PLAY. We do have Dennis Silvers coming up. Bilko Co himself. And uh, we're going to talk golf with him from pro Wagering. But other than that, I'm going to get back to the World Baseball Classic. I went through the two first pools, A and B, which are in um, Taiwan and Japan. And then we're going to get back to the American pools, C and uh, D, which are in Phoenix and Miami. So we'll uh, get that taken care of. Big hello to everyone listening on American Forces. Hey, if you're watching twitch.tv, there I am. Oh, yeah, and my Christmas colors, is red and green. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
3: Guys, are you getting up multiple times a night to use the bathroom? As we get older, so do our prostates, and that can mean urinary problems that affect our sleep and quality of life. Life is better outside the bathroom. Real Health's Prostate Complete can help you relieve those annoying and painful prostate symptoms available at walmart or visit realhealth.com for more information and to order yours today try it risk-free with our 120-day money-back guarantee these statements have not been evaluated by the fda this product is not intended to diagnose treat or cure any disease
10: if you're moving to another state you're getting a fresh start in a brand new town and when you choose a moving company to help get your valuable possessions to that new home of yours you want somebody that's going to take care of your things like you would That's why you need to call Colonial Van Lines. They're America's number one moving company for a reason. Because they'll take care of your things like they would their possessions. They'll use caution so nothing gets damaged. And they won't treat you like a number. They'll treat you like a friend. And when you call now on a qualified move across state lines, they'll give you a $250 discount
7: Coming up next,
2: Rick Tittle. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome from Pro ProWagering and ProWagering.com. We always check in with one of them at eleven twelve, And one of them today is Dennis Silvers to talk some golf. Dennis, help me out with this. Justin Rose and uh, Xander Schorfela are now going to be joining the TGL, the Tomorrow Golf League, which uh, Tiger Woods and Rory have put together but this is not a breakaway league so to speak what how does the TGL, TGL work with the PGA please
15: well i think it's uh i think it's an interesting move and obviously uh tiger and rory together uh you know is a pretty attractive uh couple if you will i, I guess it's valentine's day so what the heck I, you know they're they're an interesting match and they're going to be doing uh, a lot of good things with the blessing of the PGA Tour, of course, with uh, Tiger and Rory both uh, representing them to the fullest. And I, I think it's a question of really talking to anybody they want to, as far as tour players, to be able to enhance the things they're going to do. You know, as far as playing golf and and other such things. So I think we're just going to uh, we're just going to have to wait and see to you know what kind of events and whatever that. Uh, they come up
2: with when you think about uh uh, scotty scheffler now going back to phoenix here over the weekend and in the last year and a half he's won five times he's had 14 top tens he's taken home nearly 30 million dollars he's been world number one two different times for a total of i guess 31 weeks one thing that yep i was listening to a guy who knows golf like you pointing out that his game has not changed, which is interesting because I remember going years ago, uh, down to Pebble beach and, you know, tiger would change his approach almost on every fairway. And he would have, you know, almost a very heated discussion. What club am I going to use? What, what is it about when you find that consistency? Because I know golf is maddening and you always want to change.
15: You, uh, I think mad means being very polite. <laughs> and golfers always want to change because they're always looking to get better. But I'll tell you, Sheffler is as solid as a block of ice. Uh, you know, he directs his ball very well. I mean, his all-around game is good. And that was evidenced by the way he played. And uh, he was rewarded for it, you know, winning over $3 bucks which which personally I think Rick is, is stupid money for a tournament. I think, you know, it's a, good for him. Uh, I'm not denying anybody money, but it's a, it's a hell of a lot of money to play four rounds of golf. But, you know, that tournament brings it in, Rick, as you know. And I, I keep saying there are more people in, uh, you know, in the practice round using the outhouses than there are, you know, that we get for four days here at our Shriners event. It's just a it's just a fantastic tournament on a very, very good golf course. Uh and you see what's going on at the the sixteenth hole. People are just, you know, giggling and laughing and having a great time. Terrific uh terrific crowds. And uh he deserves it and to win back to back. He's in a very uh you know elite company and it's a it's a very, very nice win for him, obviously.
2: Talking about John Rahm, the Spaniard, in his last nine events, there's only been 19 golfers ahead of him combined, which is mm-hmm. pretty astounding. And yeah. yes, he didn't win Sunday, but um, he's still top three in the world. How would you look at his game right now?
15: Well, I think when we talked last time, you asked me posed uh, to me a question: Who do you think's hotter, John Rom or? Uh, or roaring and I and I'm uh, and I think I said John Rahm. He's just he's just on fire. He just has that you know that will and he can't feel too sorry for him. Like, you know, third place is still a hell of a lot of money, and he's just he's just a go getter. And you have to admire the guy for it. He's got all the shots. Uh, unfortunately, he just came up a little bit uh, short this week. Not taking anything away from uh, Scheffler. But uh, he's going to be winning for a long, long time, and I just know this year he's good for at least one major.
2: Phoenix got 250,000 people pouring into TPC Scottsdale, um, and uh, Ricky Fowler was kind of going out of his way talking about Live Golf saying that, you know, you, you can't duplicate this. Now, I know that you're much more open-minded about the Live Golf Tour. So do you think, how long will it be, do you think, that Live Golf will get these types of fans, uh, these numbers pouring in?
15: Well, I you know, of course, it depends who they get as far as, uh, you know, the field and who they attract and, of course, where the venue is. And I, I think they're going to continue uh, to grow. Uh, I you know, I think now with television, with the CW, it's going to be exposed to a lot more people. They're going to get a lot more fans. And I think I mentioned to you also I'm going to the event in Tucson at the gallery, so I want to see for myself, you know, exactly what draws these people out, what they like about this tournament, what they like about the team events and the format. But uh, but I think they're going to get them. And speaking of uh, Ricky Fowler. I made a prediction a while ago that I think uh unbeknownst maybe to anybody except his wife, I think Ricky is a really good candidate to get uh swing over to the lift tour sooner than later.
2: It's very interesting. I, I thought one of the things that that is interesting too was because of some unexpected win and, and and drying out the course and as we were talking about golfers, they're so introspective to say the least that some golfers thought well now the course is too dry and it's like you get that Mm -hmm. stuff into your head but a lot of times it makes it more fun in a way when you throw these sort of uh you know these intent these uh, um, these i'm forgetting what the word is now uh but you're throwing something unexpected let's just say at these guys yeah
15: yeah and and you know these guys uh, let's be honest i mean they're most of them are crybabies if they don't have it the way they want they complain to the officials and this and that and the other. But I'll tell you what makes it fun. As long as you mention the hard fairways and stuff, it brings the shorter hitters into play. And secondly, the longer hitters, all of a sudden, gee, I've got to start thinking about some course management. I mean, not hit driver off the tee because it's going to run out into the rough or the bunker or the water or whatever. So I think it's very, very interesting from, uh, from that standpoint. And, you know, people like when you've got these guys have to think their way around the course and use a little course management because of tougher conditions. And I, I think it's good for everybody, Rick,
2: I want to ask you, too, about the the famous 16th hole there and people yeah. throwing paper airplanes and beer bottles, whatever. It's such a weird, iconic, it almost looks like it's something from like Roman times, the way <laughs> the gallery is set up. But <laughs> but what, what, what are your thoughts on that course and, and the fan, as we should say, interaction with the golfers there?
15: Well, I, I think that's one of the things that helps really make that tournament. That's done nowhere else it was started there i mean these people just have a blast sometimes yeah you could get a little bit out of hand throwing the beer bottles and the paper and all that stuff but you know what the players feel it they actually love it especially when they hit a good shot into the green but you got to keep these guys uh you know on on a tight rope if they get uh if they get too involved but that's really what makes that uh that golf tournament you know, very iconic because nobody else has it. I've been a part of that. It's just, you got to be there to kind of feel it and to really get the vibe and see what's going on. And like I say, most of the time, uh, the players love it.
2: Dennis Silvers, by the way, no relation to uh, Billco, right?
15: None. No relation <laughs> to the Sarge, even though, even though I've told him that in the past. <laughs>
2: All right, Dennis Silvers with ProWagering and ProWagering.com. Always good stuff. Thanks for your insights.
15: Thank you very much. Look forward to the next time. Thank you.
2: All right. We have open lines the rest of the way. We're going to get back to little WBC rosters, unless you want to call me up at 1-800-878-PLAY.
19: the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life are you thinking about it what if we can promise you the same results for less than three dollars a pill if you're paying twenty dollars a pill for the other pills you're getting taken to the cleaners Right now.
0: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800 965 1295. 965 1295. 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295. Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654. I'm sorry, it's the, it's the pleats.
4: It's, a, it's actually an
16: optical illusion. It's the pattern on the pants the, it's not fl- flattering in the, the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now, taking them back to the,
4: the pants store.
11: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
2: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast. I start saying everything like this all over the world. Here we are. All right, WBC, the World Boxing Council. Um, <laughs> Pool C, let's just talk about the USA's roster. And sometimes it's been humiliating. And sometimes I'm like, who's that? We've never really taken it seriously until the last time. Now, I did go to a World Baseball Classic game in San Francisco, uh, which had a lot of confetti and fanfare, and it was fun. But remember, Japan won the first two, and then it was Puerto Rico, and then it was USA. And they called it the Classic the first time they had it, which was interesting. Here are our pitchers. Because I'm American. Adam Ottavino. Adam Wainwright. Yes, he's back. Brady Singer. Brooks Raley. Clayton Kershaw. Yes. Daniel Bard. David Bedner, Devin Williams. Jason Adam. Kendall Graveman. Kyle Freeland. Lance Lynn. Merrill Kelly. Miles Nicholas. Charles Dickens' character. Nick Martinez, and Ryan Presley, speaking of closers. So we've got some closers in there. And I think Wainwright and Kershaw are just like, look, my career's almost over. I don't even care if I blow out my arm. i got to put on the USA, baby. Red, white, and blue. Our catchers, J.T. Real Muto, who I didn't know was American. I always assumed he was, I don't know. Did you know he was American? Okay. I always thought J.T. Real Muto was Dominican or... Uh, from your racist ring sorry Kyle Higashioka and Will Smith I I wonder if Kyle Higashioka is going to get the same thing that Travis Ishikawa got in spring training when they were playing Team Japan and a Japanese guy hit a ball he got to first base and he started talking Japanese to Ishikawa and he's like I I don't understand the word you're saying (laughs) I always like that story so yes uh, Higashioka is from uh, the Yanks, by the way, but Ray Muto is the guy. Your infielders, Bobby Witt Jr., and his dad, who got traded for Jose Canseco. He once had a double-double at the Coliseum, 10 walks, 10 strikeouts. But Bobby Witt Jr., he's there. Nolan Arenado, that makes me feel better. Paul Goldschmidt, that makes me feel better. Pete Alonzo, good. Tim Anderson, Trey Turner. We have some real infielders. I like it. Outfielders. We got some real players, too. Cedric Mullins, Jeff McNeil, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Tucker, and then our two best players, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. I'm feeling pretty good now. Pretty, pretty. Pretty good. Mark DeRosa, for some reason, is the manager, and I don't know why. But the thing that makes me feel better, that his bench coach is Jerry Manuel, who is a longtime major league manager. Brian McCann is also a bench coach. Do you know who the hitting coach is? Ken Griffey Jr. Do you know who the pitching coach is? Andy Pettit. Don't take roids. First base coach, Lou Collier. Third base coach, Dino Abel. The bullpen coach at a Pioneer High School, Dave Rigetti. Rags. He's back. Giants fans wanted Rags fired. And then they got Tim Lincecum and Matt Kane, and they were like, hey, Rags is pretty good. Not as bad as I thought. All right. <laughs> Let's continue to look at the Ross. By the way, I should mention the Pool A in Taiwan, Pool B in Japan, Pool C in Phoenix. Pool D in Miami. The quarterfinals between Pool A and Pool B will be in Tokyo. The uh, second uh, yeah, the second round, which will be the quarterfinals, that will also be in Miami. And after that, everything's Miami. The semifinals, March 19th and 20th. The final, March 21st. <clears throat> They're starting this tournament on the 8th and ending it on the 21st. There's going to be a lot of baseball, y'all. Base, y'all. Ball. Yes. And as I said, the USA has had to wait six years. The general manager is Tony Reagans. And I'll say this for Tony Reagans. This is the best USA roster I've ever seen. Remember who the World Baseball Classic MVP was last year? Well, last time around? Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman is now on Team Puerto Rico. I think they should have some FIFA rules where you can't change teams. That's uh, just me. So we were going to have Nestor Cortez, but he pulled out because he hurt his hamstring last week. That's why Kyle Freeland is now in, in with a shout. All right, continuing pull C, Mexico. We need to talk about Mexico, but first, speaking of Florida. Let's go to the phone lines at one 7529 We have Mario. What's up, Mario?
21: Yeah, Mexico and Florida two topologically distinct regions on the sphere S two. Rick, that's a little math in there for you. So I was wondering when you could, if, if there's a. I really wanted to hear that uh, fellow that was talking about baseball that you had scheduled ten forty your time, but I couldn't do it. Yeah, I have responsibilities as an adult. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to catch that? I mean, is your podcast regular enough that I could find somewhere and, and um, recast?
2: The last time I looked for one of my podcasts was like a week ago, and the last one was August. So I'm going to go ahead and say, unless you want, are we going to replay this show today, Dominic? We're not going to replay it today? All right. Uh, So this will never, you'll never hear it again. But Evan Drellick is a guy who I used to interview all the time when he was with the Houston Chronicle, and I would do the A's pregame shows, and we played the Astros. So it was good to catch up to him after all those years. But I told him the story about how when I had Luno. in my uh, box with me, and he said, "Why don't you interview me?" And um, <clears throat> uh, then he said, "That doesn't surprise me because he liked the attention." By the way, Dominic says he will send you the MP3 if you hold after this conversation.
21: Oh man, what a prince! What a that's just that's just uh, brand loyalty right there. Maybe I can also while he's in there get a uh, co- a copy of everything. I, the only thing I ask for every birthday from anyone, Rick, literally anyone. Is from you. It's a cliff of the pufferfish <laughs> that you did from circa 2005, which is this, the the acme of G- radio comedy genius. That Thank is you. as good as anything anyone didn't has you, ever heard, and you refuse to play it.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't your wife like that one?
21: Yeah, my wife liked that one. That's yeah. the only you know. She's very rarely we're in the car together in the afternoon but you did a best of yes. that's how I, cuz i said cuz i remember the day you announced a best of and you did a roll of clips yeah. and that was on them you've got to listen to this guy the guys an, the guys absolutely just you know i don't want it to go to your head but when you okay. were doing those bits it was so unlike anything else on radio and it's the first thing that caught my attention when i st- when you were on serious back in the day when you had three listeners me JR. and Barry in Vegas. And
2: <laughs> Frank in Vegas, I think yeah.
21: Frank came later, right? <laughs> okay. Frank came later. Well, yeah. we
2: had Tom in Stockton, who used to have the song of the day. Do you remember him?
21: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah El Cerrito right. Pete. He, I, I don't, yeah. But he was part of the show. Those, those two guys were part of the show. We were just li- – although, let me tell you, when you <laughs> and during the serious days, I felt like I was – you know how they label people – Uh, occasional contributor or friend of the show, right? That's how how Barry and I were, man. I used to like Barry because he would start talking in that horse racing lingo, and I swear to God, it was like listening to me talk about quantum gravity. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody understood what the heck he was saying.
2: Do you know I had a a quantum physics guy on my show the other day, and that's all I talked about with him, was that. I was talking about the Copenhagen effect and the... uh, Uh uh, the, uh, That was a
21: Nobel laureate, right? That was the guy that won the Nobel Prize.
2: I can't remember, but anyway, he. I started talking about. You can't remember. if I, won Nobel Prize. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. You know,
21: who won the Heisman in night You know, you know that uh, Gary Beeman won the Heisman in 1967.
2: Gary Beeman. Wow. <laughs> um. Anyway, what were we talking? Oh, yeah. Um. I thought you called to ask about Maasai Barefoot technology.
21: <laughs> I did not. But I, you know, I run with shoes, buddy. So where do you? Where do you think I've heard about that though? Where do you think uh, Derek Carr ends up?
2: I, I think he ends up in Houston, because that's his boyhood team. Um, but even though, it, unless he doesn't want to go to a team that stinks, then I think he'll go to New Orleans.
21: I think he doesn't want to go to a team that stinks. I think he wants to go somewhere where the the entire the crushing weight of expectations is on one guy's shoulders, which is what happened to him with Vegas all those years, right?
7: Mm-hmm. But he
21: was such a good, you know, as opposed to, you know, I follow this guy's career because he came in with Jameis. You know, I watched what Mariota did the last four games of the season when he was benched, and he just took his ball and went home. And I know there was a knee issue and all that, but he was playing through that. Carr is not like that. Carr is not wired that way. Carr is going to go out and and do the and just play through it. And if he's going to take his benching, and if they had not benched him, he would have continued to play the last few games of the season. But he's, you know, that's why I just think he's such a gritty guy. I would like to see him get a second opportunity. You know, and so many of these guys figure a couple of things out, like Geno Smith, that, you know, you know Car is twice the caliber of player Geno Smith is. But to go somewhere and to get a second chance with a better cast, right, yeah. a better supporting cast.
2: Well, he might be coming to Tampa Bay. You never know. Hey, I got to run, but oh, thanks man, for the call, man. You bad Rick. <laughs> All right, it's Mario out there. Come on back.
1: Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview, game with Doug, brand new mug. Come here, kid, (laughs) give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. New COVID-19 boosters designed for recent Omicron variants are now available. Learn about eligibility and schedule a free updated booster today at vaccines.gov. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
0: That's 800 1845
4: Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our President's Day special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. To learn more,
1: go to sleepnumber.com. Sometimes, when I'm driving, on the road at night, I see two headlights coming toward me. Fast, I have this sudden impulse to turn the wheel quickly, head on into the oncoming car. I can anticipate the explosion, the sound of shattering glass, the flames rising
13: out of the flowing gasoline. Right. Well,
1: I have to go now, Dwayne, because I, I'm due back on the planet Earth.
11: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
2: Oh, continuing on the conversation, and if you'd like to be a part of the show, it's 1-800-878-PLAY. You don't have to be a guy who's listened to me for 20 years like Mario. You can listen to me for 20 seconds and get in at 1-800-878-PLAY. Let's talk about other teams in Pool C, of which the USA is in, and uh, we have... Mexico. That's right. El Pais Amigo. And their ace is Julio Urias. All he's done is had a a 2.5 ERA over the last two years and won 37 games. And also Jose Urquidy, Patrick Sandoval, Taiwan Walker in the rotation. Um, Alejandro Kirk, guy with 14 home runs. Alex Verdugo, Luis Urias. And most surprisingly of all, Randy Arrozarena. Randy Arrozarena is Cuban. But he defected to Mexico. He lives in Merida. He was in the Mexican League with Toros de Tijuana. His daughter was born there, and they just made him a citizen. Good timing. Also look out for Oliver Perez because he's on the list. Colombia. You have Jose Quintana. The Mets just got him. You have Nabil Chrismont, the Padres swingman. But think about some of these other guys on the roster Harold Ramirez, Oscar Mercado, Gio Ursula, Jordan Diaz. Diaz got in 15 games last year with the A's and hit 326 for them. That's right. Someone on the A's is worth watching. Jordan Diaz with Colombia. We also have Jorge Alfaro and Donovan Solano. All Donovan Solano does is hit 330, and then teams don't want him. It's kind of funny. Canada. In 2017, Canada as a team hit 155, and no one hit a homer. Josh Naylor, unavailable. Joey Votto, unavailable. Both hurt. But Freddie Freeman, what? Freddie Freeman's going to play. Tyler O'Neill is going to play. And Otto Lopez, they'll be there as well, as is Nick Pavetta, Cal Quantrill, Matt Brash, Rob Zizinskri, and, yes, the Axeman out of Notre Dame, John Axford, Michael Soroka will be unavailable as well. Great Britain, Great Britain's star player is Harry Ford. Harry Ford is the Mariners' number one prospect. His name is Harrison Ford. I'm not kidding. So you can see why he goes by Harry. He was the 12th overall pick a year and a half ago. And during Team GP's sprint through the qualifiers, he hit three home runs. And you have Trace Thompson. Yes. So I guess Clay Thompson's mom is part British. Ian Gibo, Vance Worley. You have some young prospects like Lucius Fox, Deshaun Knowles. And you also, guess what? Matt Kopernik, or sorry, Matt Koperniak, who was born in London, he got to AAA last year. Former big leaguer Michael Roth, not Tim Roth, he's pitched in for Great Britain in all the games they played for so far. Pool D, Miami, Puerto Rico. The biggest stars that won that championship last time, <clears throat> and of course lost in the championship, Javier Baez. Francisco Lindor, Edwin Diaz, Carlos Correa says he's not going because his child's going to be born in March. That's very sweet. Yachty is the manager. Marcus Stroman, as I said, was on Team USA. He was the uh, most valuable player. Now he's Puerto Rican. Jose Barrios as well. But you have Jonathan Bermudez, Alex Claudio, Fernando Cruz, Jose De Leon, uh, Dominic Hamel, Anthony Maldonado, Nicholas Padilla, Emilio Pagan, Yaxel Rios. I love Yaxel Rios. Great name. Derek Rodriguez. There's D-Rod. Hector Santiago and Dwayne Underwood. Venezuela. The only country in South America that likes baseball more than soccer. And there's a debate all winter long whether Ronald Acuna should play because the Braves really don't want him to play, but he will, which is good. Then you have Jose Altuve. Boo! Salvi Perez. Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera is one of the few players who has played in every world baseball classic. Now you also have Luis Arias, the American League hitting champ who was dealt from Minnesota to Miami, David Peralta, Anthony Santander, and then on the bump, Eduardo Rodriguez, Pablo Lopez, Ranher Suarez. It's not bad. And then you get to Dominicana. Nelson Cruz is the GM and the designated hitter. But Rafael Devers... Manny Machado, Julio Rodriguez, Eloy Jimenez, Juan Soto, Vlad Jr. Woo! And then if you look at the pitchers, Sandy Alcantara, who won the Cy Young. Sandy Alcantara, this year, the last hitter he hit in a complete game, his 100th pitch, he threw 100. That just sort of shows you right there. Christian Javier, uh, Johnny Cueto is back, Gene Segura, Teoscar Hernandez, Kettle Marte, Robinson Cano made the team, Wander Franco, Gary Sanchez. This team is ridiculous. And if I'd say the only team that you match up against the USA, you say might have better talent than the USA does. And now you got some Cinderella teams. Israel. I remember Nate Fryman played for them. And Alex Bregman almost did last time. And Israel is going to be starting a kid out of Pali High School named Jock Peterson. Ian Kinsler is the manager. Dean Kramer, Richard Blyer, Jake Fishman, Garrett Stubbs. Ryan LaVarnway is back as well. Remember, he was the Pool A MVP. He hit those amazing walk-off home runs in Japan, and then the A's signed him. He was a Red Sox catcher, too. Ryan LaVarnway, who, after the WBC, is going to be the color commentator for the Colorado, or I should say the Rocky Mountain vibes in the Pioneer League. I'll throw that in there. Uh, But remember, Israel had a thing where all you had to be was Jewish to play for them. And look, as I said, there is no FIFA rules. Marcus Stroman is switching teams. That used to happen like with Stefano, who was a great Real Madrid player. He was Argentine. He was Spanish. And I forgot what the third country he went to. And FIFA says, you, you got to stop switching countries. We didn't qualify for the World Cup. Can I play for you? And then Nicaragua, the home to El Presidente himself. If you don't remember Dennis Martinez of the Expos in the 70s, he was El Presidente. You could still argue he's the most famous athlete ever out of Nicaragua, right? And Vicente Padilla, the headhunter, he was for there. Marvin Bernard, who we know here in San Francisco, he's Nicaraguan. But they couldn't get to the finals. The pitching is probably the strength because Jonathan Loiciga... And Erasmo Ramirez are the big names. There's a kid named Carlos Rodriguez, who is a Brewers prospect. And they have a star man in the minor leagues named Osman Gutierrez. Is Mario on hold again? He's called back. Oh, I'm looking at somebody else. Uh, Colombia was the third. Thank you. Alfredo De Stefano. <clears throat> yeah, he was uh, one of the greatest players of all time, by the way. And uh, so... That is, uh, those are the the rosters, and you know I didn't get into the full breakdown on some of these teams. Um, I think, do you remember the first team, Italy one? It was just Italian Americans. That it was because I remember I think Mark Derosa was on that team, and Mike Piazza was on that team as well. Um, you know, if if the Czech Republic, I talked about these guys. You know, one's a financial analyst, another guy is a uh, high school geography teacher. Um, one of the players, their ace, is also their media manager. <laughs> Can I have an interview with Peter Zima? Sure, let me call him up. Yeah, he's available. When's he available? Go ahead. What? I'm the guy. Oh, oh, you're the guy. I remember when uh, <clears throat> we had, uh, when, we were at, when I was working at Sports Channel, We were trying to find a new Sharks, like, crowd person, like, let's go to blah, blah in the stands. And it was this woman, and she was tasked to finding the person to be the uh, sideline reporter, more or less, at a Sharks game. And after an extensive search, she found the winner. It was herself. (laughs) (laughs) Then again, Sports Channel is the place. I'll just throw this in before we go to a break. There was a contest in like 1990 or 1991 when I was working there. I worked there 10 years. TV. And it was name the A's pregame show and Giants pregame show. And whoever uh, picks the name and we, we use that name, that answer then, you get a free skybox for the A's or the Giants for one game. And I put together a list of 10 of the most clever names I could think of Two were winners, three were okay, the other five were kind of joke names. But I put in ten names, and I thought, they've got to pick one of them, and I'm going to get this skybox. Do you know what the winners were? And I'm not making it up. A's pregame, Giants pregame. Those were the winners. Yeah. It's like when the boss, uh, we had a pool in March Madness, and he picked the higher seed in every game, and he won And I thought, that guy sucks. You're supposed to be clever, man. You know, a 15 beating a 2. This is what we're trying to figure out. A 9 beating an 8. Ah, it's just making me mad. So mad that I'm going to have to go to a commercial break. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline. Who's watching? Tell me
17: who's watching? Who's watching me?
0: If your loved one has passed away due to COVID-19, pay close attention to this message. You could be entitled to a death benefit of over $300,000. The U.S. government has set up a fund to pay families relief if they've lost a loved one due to COVID-19. We know this is a hard time for you, and this fund has been set up by the federal government to help ease your pain. The compensation includes a death benefit and lost wages benefit. Time is limited, so we urge you to make a free phone call right now. There's no cost to you for this claim. All legal fees are only covered once you receive your money. 485 6003 485 6003 That's eight hundred four eight five six zero zero three.
20: 485 6003 To me it's like a mountain. A vast bowl of pus!
11: his servants.
2: Uh, I don't beat my servants. By the way, we know who will be the participants in All-Star Week, and of course, Steph is out, which sucks. But the three-point competition, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Kevin Herter, Tyler Hero, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Anthony Simons, Lori Markkinen, or Lowry Markkinen, so like three, four former kings. The slam dunk contest will be the main event on uh, Saturday night and there have been some recent uh, classics uh, Zach Levine over Aaron Gordon and the Derek Jones Jr. victory over Gordon and we've had plenty of duds as well and it used to be big 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 players and uh, now not so much <laughs> KJ Martin he's with Houston Mac McClung Mac McClung Got cut by the Warriors. Do you know what team he's with? Delaware Blue Coats. Why are they in this? Why? I thought this was for the NBA.
21: It is. I'm almost gonna guarantee they literally couldn't get people.
2: Well, then they should have just had three because you can't get a guy from the Delaware Blue Coats. Uh, Trey Murphy from the Pelicans and Shaden Sharp of the Blazers who said, mom and dad, they've been wanting me to do it. So why not? It came down to me and my family and even my friends just telling me you should do it. I don't really do dunk contests, but since the NBA asked me to do it, I said, why not? That's exactly what Dominic just said. The guy just said, I don't do this. It'd be like asking me, Rick, would you like to go to a wine tasting contest? I don't drink wine. Why don't you give it a shot? Oh, okay. I'm Rick Tittle. Thanks for tuning in. We'll do it tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time, and happy Valentine's Day.